Welcome to Enriched Menopause, where perimenopausal and menopausal women can learn what's going on with their bodies and how to thrive during this stage and beyond. You are not crazy and you are not alone. I'm Dr. Jessica Rich. Let's do this together. Hello and welcome back to Enriched Menopause. I was shocked recently to learn that the Golden Girls were actually supposed to be mostly in their 50s during the sitcom range of when they were on. And I thought that was amazing because, of course, I always thought of them being much older. And although I thought they were amazing women, so funny and so dynamic, I also remember them for their signature hairstyle, which is what I considered at the time to be, and still do, I guess, old ladies hairstyle. And of course, this is also what both of my grandmothers have had as long as I can remember these sort of short curls molded into some type of like helmet on the head. And what I've realized when I'm getting into perimenopause is that my grandmothers were actually mostly in their 40s and 50s during my childhood, not what I would consider old at all at this point. And I really don't want to be in that kind of old lady helmet head hairstyle. And I think that most of my listeners probably don't either. We want to look and feel young and vibrant. And I don't know about you guys, but I am not ready for old lady hair. So I wanted to bring on another amazing woman from my family, my aunt, Julie Shepperly. She is a hairstylist extraordinaire with decades of experience cutting, coloring, styling hair, and training others to do the same. Julie, welcome. Hi, Jess. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you, and I'm so happy to go over this topic. Of course, you've had the unfortunate experience of having to tame my hair when I was younger, and I have this, you know, huge lion's mane of hair. Yes, I remember those days (laughs) quite well. (laughs) And I remember your grandma, Tootie, because I actually did her helmet hair back Mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. Yep, you used to do her helmet hair when she would come up to Michigan, and then she had her other stylist down in Florida, of course. And and I'm feeling your pain as I'm doing my daughter's hair because they they have the same hair I do, and it's it's really painful. Um, But we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, and I'm really excited to, to have you here to go through it with us. Awesome. I love it. Let's get started. So I know you take care of a lot of women in perimenopause and menopause. So tell us, what are some of the main challenges you see with your clients and their hair? So if we're going to talk perimenopause and menopause, I'm sure most of your listeners, if they are tuning in, they have many of the same problems. And I think what happens when we enter this stage is everything dries up like the Sahara and it includes our hair. And my clients are experiencing, even myself, dry, brittle hair. They're experiencing breakage. They're experiencing hair loss. All of a sudden, their textures are changing because they're getting more gray. All sorts of things are happening. And they all just coincide with as our skin dries up and every other place in our body dries up, so does our hair. So let's start with some of that drying stuff. Are there any products or what to do or what not to do to try to kind of mitigate some of that drying? 
Yes and no. It's always difficult to give a pat answer just when we're talking about hair, because just as you know, with your clients in the medical profession, everybody's situation is different. And there's not one root cause for the problem. There's typically many causes. And hair is a waste reliever of the body. So whatever we take into our body is going to come out our hair. So if we're not getting great nutrients, if we're not getting enough water, those types of things are going to affect our hair because our organs are going to take most of the nutrients and we're left with crumbs when it comes to our hair. So it's really important that you're taking good care of yourself, eating right, getting enough water into your body so that you retain some of that moisture. And then you've got to go to the products. And it's much more of a trial and error at this particular time when we're dealing with moisture and dryness and brittle hair. You want to be adding products that have a lot of moisture versus products that have protein, which is going to actually make the hair feel drier. It's almost like if you think of tinsel on a Christmas tree, the hair, when it's dry, it can stretch only so far and then that's going to snap and break. And if you add protein to that, that's just going to make it even drier. So it's really important to look for things that are moisturizing. I'm very much an advocate of clean products. A lot of additives cause even more problems. And uh, Mm -hmm. you can speak more to that with our hormones, hormone disruptors and everything that come through our cosmetic industry, unfortunately. So it's important that you're getting a good product that really has moisture in it. So just like so many other things in our bodies and our health, it's really that overall health that's going to make a difference in your hair too. So making sure you're getting good nutrition, getting the sleep, the water intake, all of those things, and avoiding all of those extra chemicals, whether that's in your food for like processed foods or whether that's what you're putting on your hair. And then, of course, like you mentioned, the hormones make a difference. So I wouldn't usually start somebody on hormone therapy because of dry hair. But if you happen to be on hormone therapy for other reasons, one of the benefits is it's going to help the hair and the skin and the nails and and all of that as well. And then you were talking about hair loss and thinning. And for those of you who are looking for kind of a more medical evaluation of that, you can go back to my episode previously with dermatologist, Dr. Leslie Clark Loser, where she talks about some of the different options for evaluating and treating hair thinning. But let's say somebody is just starting to notice some thinning of their hair, some gaps, like what can they do style-wise to deal with this other than creating that sort of helmet, which I think is probably why the helmet was developed in the first place. That typical problem that you're talking about, that situational shedding, thankfully in most cases, that's going to relieve itself. It's going to, whether it's caused by a trauma, whether it's caused by medicine, medical changes, birth of a child, whatever that is, it'll be a period of excess shedding and then your hair will start to grow back. So what do we do in the short term? When you're feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm losing all my hair. There's a couple of things that you can do. The simplest thing to do is start playing with your hair and flipping your part around. Because sometimes just changing it up from what you've always done in the past is going to help alleviate that situation. I'd like to think of our hair is like fabric, like clothing and how we dress. When we were younger, how we dressed and the type of clothes and the fabrics we liked change as we get older and we start to learn to 
dress for our body type and things fit us better. And our hair is the same type of thing. It's a fabric and you have to look at fabrics change over time and your hair fabric has changed. And thinning hair, I often will say to my clients, it's like a linen or silk. It's very fine. It's see-through. It moves very easily. It doesn't seem to stay where you want it to stay. So changing your part, going to, if you're having recession in your hairline, where you have that soft, really downy baby hair along your uh, recession points in your hairline, going to a bang, a curtain bang is very trendy and popular right now. You can even resort to for short periods of time. I have many clients where we have purchased hair toppers for them, which just is a, a small little section of hair, if you will, that sets right on top of your head, clips into your current hair, and just makes you feel like you have your old, thicker, fuller hair right along the top because women recede and then they thin right in that part line. It's almost like your part line starts to get wider and wider and more see-through. That's what happens. So a topper is going to fill that in and make that feel better. There's also things called halos, which are like a hair extension and it's like on a fishing wire and that fishing wire just lays on your head like a headband and then the hair lays right at your occipital bone and it adds density if you have longer hair and you hide that that little fishing wire gets hidden in the rest of your hair very easily so there's thankfully today some wonderful tools that can help us That sounds amazing. I've never heard of those halos or toppers. I think that sounds great. And you you have a pretty easy time kind of hiding them in or blending them into the natural hair. Absolutely. I would definitely say work with your hairstylist to Mm -hmm. search. And and there are so many companies out there, Jess, I wouldn't even recommend one because I've had clients use many different ones and we've had success. I always say start with synthetic hair because it's less expensive and you want to see if you even like it. Because when you move to a hair topper or a halo or even a wiglet that is natural hair, real hair, it's much more expensive and Mm -hmm. you want to be sure that it is the way you like it. The benefits of real hair toppers is we can color them as hairstylists. So we're more than willing to cut and style it to make it blend. But there are so many synthetic toppers out there. You can get something to start with to see if you even like it, have your hairstylist help you to match it, and then just go from there. It's real easy. I love that. Something to try out. And I also love what you said about changing the part around because that is how women tend to thin, especially in menopause, is that in that part where it will start to get wider and thinner around there. And so sometimes just changing that up is all you need to do to start before you may have to go on to some of these other things potentially down the road. Correct. All right. So that's dealing with the thinning and the dryness of the hair. And then of course, another big thing that you mentioned is graying. Obviously Mm -hmm. coloring is one option, but maintenance can be difficult. Do you have any tips for that? I sure do. First and foremost, I think that graying and going gray is a both personal, but it's also kind of an attitude, right? Mm-hmm. The Gone are the days of you're old, right? If you're gray mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the stigma that comes with gray hair, when you talked about the golden girls earlier, you know, you think of blue hair and 
and all of those, we call them up north in Michigan, pick and puffs, where they're just picked out and molded hairdos. We think of that when we think of gray hair. Gray hair today is stunning. And mm-hmm. it is embracing what you have been given and enhancing what you've been giving. So just because your gray is not a gray that you like, it doesn't mean that it's not a gray that can be enhanced by your stylist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it means if you only have like, white mainly in your bang and the rest of it is salt and pepper that doesn't mean that your stylist couldn't add more uh highlights to your hair so that the rest of the hair blends with more white pieces um it doesn't mean that if you're salt and pepper and you really like that charcoal that you couldn't have low lights put in to give more drama to that look some of us like me if you are a blonde if you grew up more blonde and you're kind of that what people would call a dishwater blonde as we age we get gray and it stays kind of dull so my gray is not something that is what I would consider like pristine it it makes me look sallow it makes my skin look drier so my gray I'm not really comfortable I'm not ready to rock it so for Mm -hmm. me you can do different things like you can blend that gray with a semi-permanent color which only needs to be done about every 12 weeks because it's just blending away the gray. So it's utilizing your natural hair and just kind of softening it so that you get natural highlights with it. That's one way to deal with it. Obviously Mm -hmm. coloring the and, and maintaining hair with hair color, like you said earlier, that's not for everybody. It doesn't fit everybody's budget. And it doesn't fit everybody's timeline. We're busy working women don't have time necessarily to go to the salon every four to six weeks to get that done. But Mm -hmm. a semi-permanent color is once every 10 to 12 weeks. You can do the lows and highs. Those can be done, you know, three, four times a year is all. So there's many different ways. And then, of course, you go into products. They're just wonderful products now that you can use bluing shampoos that have purple and blue tones in them. That helps to keep the yellow out of uh, graying hair so that it has much brighter, shinier, and just more um, pure white or pure silver. So there's lots of things to help with that. I love that. And like you said, I think it's such a personal decision when people are ready for that. And I and I do love how it's really it's come around a lot. Like you said, it's not, we're not the golden girls anymore, but there are so many who are really embracing the gray and rocking the gray. Even I have, you know, friends and patients in their mid thirties who are going gray and just really like embracing it and, and rocking it out. But then of course there are those that aren't quite ready for it. And everybody's gray is different depending on your hair tone, your skin tone, your texture, your length, like everybody's gray is a little bit different. So I love that there are so many different options for how you can kind of get your your best gray, you know, like the silver fox isn't just for men anymore, right? <laughs> that is that is correct. That is correct. I love it. So where I'm at in this in this stage of kind of in perimenopause is where I started, you know, first to notice like a lot of the grays around my hairline like I would move my part to a different side and suddenly see a bunch of them or like a few like around my face and and initially I started to just like pluck things away but of course they came back and then as I started (laughs) to move my hair around and realized like oh there's way more of them that I can actually pluck (laughs) so any recommendations for someone like me who's kind of like 
in these beginning stages where like most of my hair is still my, you know, natural hair color that I've always had, but there's like more and more grays kind of working their way in. Absolutely. So one of the things that I'd love to do for my clients is they're not ready for a full head of color. But like you said, around their hairline or in certain areas of their hair, they have way more grays than they want to tackle and to deal with. And so what I do is I do what I was talking about earlier is I will do a semi-permanent color in that area only. So it Mm -hmm. really is what I call just a part line color. And it typically is literally just down the part line of your hair and along your hairline where you're seeing most of that gray. And we match that tone to the rest of your hair. So it blends away the gray, softening the look of it, where at first it pretty much looks like they're covered up. And then as time goes on, it fades off and you can start to see more of them pop through. But it blends it away to give it more of a natural transition into the hair that doesn't need hair coat hair color at this point in time. Mm. So I just do a partial part line color and I get, and that is what many of my clients, especially in your age range are doing because they're not ready to fully commit to color. And that's something you can kind of maintain like every three months or so. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's based on, you know, when you feel like you need it again. And there, you can also go to different products. There's a, a brand called wow, which it essentially looks like eyeshadow. And Mm -hmm. you just simply paint that hair a little bit with a powder and it sticks to the hair and it's enough to blend away those grays, especially if you, let's say you're, you're going out for an event, Jess, and Mm -hmm. you're going to pull your hair back in a tight chignon. If you don't want to see those grays on your hairline, you would just take a product like the wow brand WOW and you would just find one that matched your hair color and you would just paint it on like eyeshadow. Ooh, that's perfect. I've definitely done like those paint-ons for my girls when they wanted like, you know, a hot pink streak or, streak or something like yes. that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's essentially it's essentially like that, but a slightly better product than that. Yeah, yeah. I need something a little higher quality than that for sure. So I'll, I'll definitely check out WOW. All right. And then for those that are embracing the gray, there are different ways to brighten it up. The shampoos that you talked about, and then also adding in some color that's either a little bit more silvery or just kind of like brightening up that gray. So I I think those are all great tips. I really appreciate that. Now you mentioned, of course, with the gray, there's also changes in texture that come with that. So Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we work with those changes? Yeah, most often than not, gray hair is coming in and it's kinkier, it's curlier, it's you know, wirier is oftentimes the, the term that is used for that. And that hair is just it's just a beast unto itself. So depending upon the the amount of gray that is in your hair depends upon the type of product that you're going to be using. So less gray, less wire, less control is needed more gray, more curl, more wire, more control is needed. So you go from more of a a cream, light, kind of think of a translucent jelly type of product for the finer hairs, for those that just have a little bit of gray that they're trying to control because they pop up like when they flat iron their hair or what have you, something lighter like that, all the way to a thicker gel-like type product that is going to coat the hair shaft, control it. And those are typically those that have naturally curly hair like you do, Jess, that Mm -hmm. are trying to control the unruly wires. 
And that is more, there's something that happens, the more curl that you get, the more control that you want of those curls, the less frizz that you want with that gray, then it's important that it's product, it's saturation, and it's coverage. So what I mean by that is it's selecting the right product. So you've got to have the right, the right weight of product, the right type of product for your curl. The second thing is, is that it needs to be saturated hair when you apply that product. So it's when you get right out of the shower, you're not putting it in a towel and letting it dry up for the next 30 minutes in that towel. You're getting out of the shower in wet hair. You're adding your product to it. You're combing that product all the way through the hair. And then you're, you're either scrunching the hair or you're twisting the hair into little tendrils all over and then leaving it alone. The more you touch that hair as it's drying, the more that hair will disconnect from its partners and the mm-hmm. more frizz you will get as it dries. And I'm sure you've experienced that with your curl. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but you're right. I, I've learned to like kind of like comb through my hair in the shower while the conditioner is still in. And then I just put my product in after and then I don't like brush it. I don't touch it. Like I just kind of like leave it alone and and embrace the the curl. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's a, it's a trial and error for all of my curly girls, whether they're a wave, like I have naturally wavy hair and it's gray, but too much because I have less hair. I have a lot of hair, but it's fine. But a heavy product on mine just weighs my hair down, makes me feel greasy and flat. So I use a very, very light blow-dry cream on my hair, whereas on you, I would be using a very heavy or more of a gel-like product on you to, if you wanted to maintain that perfect curl shape. So mm-hmm. it just depends on comfortability, and there's so many different lines out there, Curly Girl and different lines depending upon what you want, what type of product you're looking for. Yeah. And then also, you know, so that works for my curls, but then, you know, when I want to pull my hair back or I'm sure other people have this issue too, it's like, okay, everything's kind of going back into that ponytail. And now I'm going to be painting them with, uh, (laughs) with the, with the paints, the kind of chalky paints that you talked about, but will that help tame those like little flyaway grays that sort of tend to stick up in, in different directions? Or do you need to put on that like gel like product first and then paint them? Yeah, you're going to need to put that in. (laughs) That that powder's not going to hold anything. (laughs) No, no, it's just for color alone. Okay, got it. That's just putting lipstick on the pig, honey. That's all that's doing. (laughs) Oh, goodness. We've covered so much already, and and I've definitely learned a lot that I'm going to be applying. Um, But anything else you want to add that, that, you know, is something that comes up a lot for women at this phase or, or things that you would recommend either doing or not doing? I think the most important thing is, is that you want to work with your hairdresser to work for a look for you based on your lifestyle, hair texture, and thinning problems. And Mm -hmm. a hairdresser is worth their weight in gold if they can sit with you and they can talk to you about what's going to work and be truthful with you. Because many, many will come in with a photo of what they want their hair to look like. And then it's my job to tell them what's realistic about that and how Mm -hmm. that's going to work for them. So Mm -hmm. it's important to be realistic about your hair type and what you're going to get. And it's Mm -hmm. also important that you find a hairdresser that is willing to say, no, you can't have that. 
Because if yeah. you're telling me that this is a problem for you, if I do X to your hair, you're not going to have the result that you want. So I think that's first and foremost, the most important thing is that that relationship that you have with your hairdresser so that they're changing your hair as your hair changes. And they're working with you to find a look that fits your face shape and fits your lifestyle and fits your hair texture. All of those things come into play as we age because the hair I had in my 20s and 30s is not the hair I have at 54 years old today. So Mm -hmm. I need somebody to help me work through that. And I need to find that look for me at this age so that my fabric and the fit that I have for my hair matches what works for me. That's so, so important. Finding a good hairstylist, first of all, is like, yes, it's gold. And I always cry whenever a hairstylist I love is like moving or leaving. It's like the worst thing in the world because it does take time to find the right person and to build that trust and to have somebody who will, like you said, say no, like, oh, this isn't going to work for you. But if you want this kind of feel, maybe we could do it this way. And then, and then also to change so that they're not just like, doing the same thing you've been doing with them for the last, you know, decade or so that they're kind of helping you to move to that next stage. I think that's so important. Absolutely. And I think just the best way to find your great hairdresser is to look at somebody who has hair like you have that you love and just Mm -hmm. say, where did you get your hair done? Especially if you're looking, that's the best way to find somebody Well, Julie, it's been so wonderful talking with you as always. Thank you so much for all of the tips that you've given to me and to our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Jess, you are so welcome. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and share with someone in your life who may benefit from this too. Remember that while I am a doctor, this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Talk with your doctor about what may apply to you and your health. We'll see you on the next episode of Enriched Menopause.